Welcome to another edition of Revealing the Diamond. I'm your host, Tiago Prem, broadcasting from San Pancho in Nayarit, Mexico. Today on the show, we're continuing our exploration in was Jesus a yogi, is Jesus a yogi, uh, and, and really the uh, character of Jesus and the life of Jesus and how it relates to yoga and being a yoga practitioner or a yogi uh, during these times. This is part two. So if you didn't see part one, you can go back and have a look at uh, our first episode. It came out last week and uh, I just felt like we needed to go a little deeper into the character of uh, Jesus as a person and how we can embody that and how that very much is a part of what it means to be a yogi and to practice yoga. Um, if you look at some of the work of Paramahansa Yogananda and his teacher Sri Yukteswar, uh, my teacher Sri Dharma Mitra also talks about this as well. The Christ consciousness is very much what yoga is all about. And this is in all of us. We're all created in the image of God, created in the image of love, and being called to embody that. And looking at the life of Christ is so essential. And especially as I've been fasting, I have never practiced in Lent before. I've been doing this fast in preparation for Easter and just reflecting without any dogma or need for religion, but really just out of a a genuine sense of devotion and curiosity you know what is the energy and character of jesus and how can how can knowing about that and seeking to embody that during this time how can that bring healing um, to the world and then applying that through the lens of all the different practices that i've done over the years uh, whether they're academic studies of religion in university uh, whether they are yogic practices sadhana uh, pilgrimages to india um, looking at the life of Guru Nanak, the lives of the Sikhs, um, the Hare Krishnas, uh, traditional and classical yoga, um, and then studying the lineage of my guru, whose name is Sri Dharma Mitra. You can check him out. He's a beautiful teacher. Um, and, you know, the, the genuine love of devotional music from many traditions. And today on the show, this is my... Uh, my co-host Charlie, he's uh, he's just he was sitting in the other room and he just really wanted to be on the show. <laughs> so, if you're watching the video, you can see Charlie. So, yeah, I just I, I just want to share where my heart is at with all of this, and I think it will really inspire you. Um, uh, the last episode was a lot of fun to do, and I just thought let's go a little deeper uh, uh, into that exploration today. So, today on the show, part two of was is Jesus a yogi, and what can we learn from Jesus as uh, yoga practitioners? as humans, as people seeking to um, bring healing into our world today, and uh, we need it. I mean, just look out at the world around you and ask yourself, does the world need healing? And if the answer is yes, then this show should help. Let's get into it right here, Revealing the Diamond. I'm Tiago Prem. Let's go. Before we get into the show, I want to give a big thank you to our sponsor, Minds Die. Thank you, Minds Die, for everything you do for the show. As you can see, today I'm rocking one of my Minds Die shirts here. She does amazing custom-dyed fabrics, and if you'd like to get something like this, or maybe a hoodie, or maybe some bed sheets, my bed sheets are really dope. I'll, maybe sometime I'll take you on a little tour of the house so you can check them out. She's really talented, and you can find her on the Etsy store at Minds Die, or check her out on Instagram, send her a little DM on Minds Die, and and she will make whatever you like. 
So before we get into the show, I'm very excited to announce to you that I have a new course available. The new course, it's called Waking Up. It's all about daily practice. This is the most comprehensive, complete course that I've made to date. Um, there are several different practices. There are workshops of yoga postures. There are two meditations. There are two yoga nidras. Um, there's the option to take on a diet portion of the sadhana. It is a complete look at, at what it means to do sadhana. Uh, we talk about why prayer is important. We talk about why what sadhana has been like for me, why it's beneficial. Um, I, I really, really am proud of this course, and it's available now. I want to let you know also that it's my birthday today that I, and I'm recording this, and I do really feel like this is a rebirth going into my 40s and sharing the way I'm sharing. And uh, thank you, everyone, for your love and uh, support on social media today. That really meant a lot. And as a gift to all of you, the loyal listeners of uh, Revealing the Diamond, I want to give you $20 off the course. All you have to do is enter the word COMPASS, all in capital letters, C-O-M-P-A-S-S. -S. It also means community pass. But put in COMPASS, it'll give you $20 off the course. There's two ways to do the course. Number one is you work through on your own. Number two, we do it as a mentorship with some more hands-on connection with me as a teacher for guidance. So if that speaks to you, go to tiagaprem.com today, go to the courses section and get the course, enter the code COMPASS and get $20 off until April 15th. Love you, bless. Okay, let's get into the show. As I mentioned in the intro, this is a part two. So if you didn't hear part one, go back and check out part one, Was Jesus a Yogi? We talk a lot about classical yoga philosophy and then the relationship to Jesus. And then today I'm going to talk about the character of Jesus, why it's important, why knowing about it is important. Not because I think people should be Christians or be a part of any kind of religion, but because his life and example is very important during today's <laughs> wild world that we live in. Uh, I think it's essential and I think it's essential that us as practitioners of yoga are aware of this. I know y'all have baggage around the Western church and you have baggage and you, some of you are atheists and some of you only want to hear about the Buddha or only want to hear about the yoga philosophy or the Eastern philosophy or the, and I'm with you. Those things are incredibly valuable, but Bear with me and just keep in mind that there is a through line of truth that all of these great sages, whether they're from the East, the West, the Middle East, somewhere in between, the indigenous wisdom, whatever it might be, there's a common thread, a, a teaching of oneness, and there have been examples of what it means to live like that, and Jesus is an important one. So let's open our minds, open our hearts, and get into the show. So first of all, I just want you to keep in mind, uh, as far as Jesus as a person, that this is a rabbi, a rabbi in the Jewish tradition, okay? Somebody who, if you go back and you look at when he was young, like when he was 12 years old, he was stepping in to conversations with some of the great philosophical minds of the time, which is impressive, right? I mean, in the in the story goes like this. He disappears at a big festival. Like imagine, you know, imagine that you went to a big festival in India or something with your 12-year-old son and uh, or 12-year-old daughter or whoever, you know, like your nephew came along with you or somebody that you were a caregiver for because they were a minor. 
uh, they just disappeared for three days, what, what you would feel like as a parent. And then after the three days, you find them and they're just like surrounded by like sadhus or like holy people or scholars or professors or whatever, you know, however that makes sense for your mind. And they're in the center of a conversation and they're answering questions and they're asking questions and they're right in there and they are just wowing the brightest minds there at the festival. Okay, so keep that, keep this in mind. So he's a very aware of the law at the time. And when I say law, I'm not talking about like, don't jaywalk or, you know, pay your taxes or, or any of that. I'm talking about at the time, the religious law, especially uh, when it came to Judaism or the uh, practice, practice of the um, Hebrews or the Jews at the time, the law, the keepers of the law, or the lawyers were people who knew the scriptures in and out. And now, you know, nowadays we don't think about that as being a big deal. We think like, oh, big deal. This person is like, you know, maybe they're wearing like a tweed jacket and they like smoke a pipe and and they've read all the books on philosophy or they're, they're a physics teacher. And you have to think about in terms of that time that there were no books yet. Like that's just always amazing to me to think like, because you think like, oh, wow, like they're really smart. Like, well, who cares? Like they just went on Wikipedia. They read a couple books. They retained the information. No big deal. Well, it is kind of a big deal. I mean, we know about this from India, too, how this was used uh, to manipulate and hold power over others, even to the time of Guru Nanak 500 years ago, um, and also the birth of, uh, of the Hare Krishna movement and Chaitanya. Um, you know, these were radical movements where... If you had to be of a certain caste, born into a certain family to even participate in these wisdom traditions, which, you know, it's uh, exploitative and, and extremely problematic. And in the time of Jesus, this is also taking place in a way that there are no books. Obviously, you know, there's no Google or anything like that, but there's actually even no books. So if you wanted to learn these uh, scriptural wisdom, which it's filled with scriptural wisdom, whether you believe in God or not, the Bible is filled with scriptural wisdom. Uh, it's something that has been misinterpreted by people as something to be taken literally, not to be taken as literature. You know, like say you read uh, a book like, um, uh, what's an inspiring book that, from the past? Like, of mice and men, you know, something like that, or to kill a mockingbird, or I mean, I'm just throwing out random ideas of older books. And you see that like, there's a there's a message in the book. But if you started to think like, oh, the characters of mice and men are, are, um, you know, we have to take everything that they say literally, and uh, we kind of just operate on the surface. We're not able to experience the the message, and then you take something like the Bible that is a library of books, and the library of books contains, uh, you know, history, and poetry, and prophetic insights of things that come true later on down the line, and experiences of healing, and um, and then a bunch of things on like how to be a good person or, you know, ethics or morality and all of that. And, and if we go, oh, well, 
you either have to take everything that's said in there literally uh, or not. And if you take it literally, then you get the gold star at the end of your life. And if you don't take it literally, then you get the opposite of the gold star, you know, uh, 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 eternity and damnation and, and hell and all of that. And you think that's a pretty limited perspective when you're looking at something that has had a profound impact, both positively and negatively on people for generations and generations. I'm not really interested in that. I want to know like the same way that I want to know, like I was watching um, this this show 1883 and it's a great show i don't know if anybody has seen it but i'm i'm watching that and i'm watching the relationship between the pioneers the cowboys and, and the indigenous folks at the time um and you're noticing that like some people are corrupted by hate and you know i i was listening to it's my birthday i was listening to good riddance um today a band that i love and w one of the lines in the song he says 1000 symptoms one disease and the one disease is hatred and you see like in the these old shows that like there are people in every group that are exhibiting loving kindness towards themselves and towards other groups that are healers that are incredibly bright, that are builders, that are warriors on all sides of the spectrum. And then there are people who are manipulative and cause problems and harm and use belief systems to control other people. And, you know, and this has been going on <laughs> back to biblical times, long before 1883. And you start to think there's something about the human condition here. And and we need to be able to look at the past with an openness and seek to find the wisdom, the humility, the medicine, and that kind of thing without becoming so uh, polarized or right, wrong, good, bad, you know? And we're, we're experiencing that even today around information where we go... We're not willing to look at the past, and if we do, everything has to be good. I mean, the the what makes the kind of going on, on a on a bit of a spin here, but I'll, I'm gonna land the plane. Um, you know, you look at what's happening in our world now, and 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 people leaning far to the left are going, oh well, we need to rewrite movies that have problem problematic ideologies in them. Uh, change the endings of movies, cancel people who caused pain. Well, that kind of, that's ignorance. That's ignoring the past. And when I read the Bible, I, I my problem with the Bible, which I had one for a long time, is that I was looking at it through the lens of taking it literally because it was getting crammed down my throat by people who said either accept the Bible as ineffable or be doomed and i was like well i don't think it's ineffable so i guess i choose doomed and then i was so put off by that that you know i was kind of like screw you bible and screw you christianity and then i just lumped jesus into that <laughs> screw you that i was participating in um but now, a little older, a little wiser, had some bumps and bruises and pains and some uh, spiritual practices and explored the world and 
and became a parent and all that. And now I look back and I go, wow, there's a lot of pain and suffering in there. And some folks amongst the pain and suffering found it within themselves to be humble, to be wise, to be compassionate, to learn from their mistakes. Um, there's something about that, you know, and, and I want to learn that from as many people as possible who learn to be loving beyond logic, who learn to forgive, who learn to, um, you know, choose love even after being a murderer, who learned to choose love after being a, a drunk, who experienced healing even when everyone around them said it was impossible. Like, I want to know about that stuff. And I recognize that the person who experienced that kind of uh, redemption or rebirth, um, it's not because they were perfect or because they did, in many cases, anything to deserve it. I mean, I like the faith piece because the faith piece is saying that you, you know, whatever you believe you can achieve kind of a mentality, like you're, you kind of put your, you work through your doubt and get to a place where you surrender and trust that you are cared for and in doing so in many cases a great healing can take place and sometimes this takes place over a long period of time i mean i definitely know that from working with people in recovery and my own struggles in addiction it's not just like i'm going to stop drinking yay i'm healed i mean that's not how it works i create a new relationship uh, to my addiction by exploring multiple different disciplines and practices and looking at my problems trying to find new ways to communicate um, praying, getting up early in the morning, shifting my diet, um, making a commitment to be more present for my relationships, you know, a series of, of different uh, things. And then in my consistency and showing up for that, uh, the person who I know myself to be starts to come forward and drive the ship, so to say, that is my life, as opposed to my conditions, uh, my ego, aka the devil, um, sin, which is not like you are a bad person, but it means you've gone off track with your destiny or your calling in this life. And so how do you get back on track? That process of living a spiritual life, which is synonymous to recovery, um, can take time. You, are you with me? So it can take time. Uh, but, you know, the ability to look back and, and look at, at these examples and see yourself in the examples, that's very wise. Like I've been looking at um, the Bible and I've been reading through Proverbs, for example, and the wisdom of King Solomon. And this also happened for me when I was reading uh, the Tao Te Ching. I spent a lot of time with the Tao Te Ching of Lao Tzu. Um, and both of these books, are it's very clear that they're written with for wisdom uh, to be passed on to leaders, whether they're kings or queens or politicians or uh, leaders in you know groups or whatever it might be it's very clear that they're written with the intent of like how can you be a good leader and 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 sure there's they're, they're not ineffable like some things you're like that doesn't make sense and but <laughs> in order for you to think about what's perplexing about them you have to be open to sitting with them and not just be like oh well it's not perfect oh it said this thing and that's problematic and oh that goes against my value so then canceled it's like ah 
ah, that drives me nuts. Like our, as our attention span becomes so uh, immature that we're not able to um, chew on things and go, where is the wisdom in this? And, and, you know, if we don't have a, a daily spiritual practice where we're committed to r reflecting, then we just, that's ignorance. We go, I don't want to deal with the perplexity of this, so I just cut it off. You know, and if any time you had like a, a stuffy nose and you just like removed your nose for your fate, from your face, would that be wise? No, it would be ignorant. Well, maybe there's some way that I can work with this and look at the conditions and maybe talk to somebody who's had a runny nose before, you know, and, and some of the, some of the, you know, people are not going to have your best intentions in mind. They just want you to pay for the product that's going to fix your runny nose. But if you were wise, you'd go, what's causing the runny nose in the first place? And you would explore and you would know that some people have your best interests in mind and other people don't. And there's a wide range of that. That's where wisdom comes from. You know, runny nose, kind of funny analogy, but you get the picture. Um, so that being said, you know, when, you re when you're reading Proverbs, you're reading the Tao Te Ching, and you go, it really would mean a lot if, if leaders and politicians and leaders of countries were reading this and seeking wisdom in these texts, but they're not. And if they're not getting the wisdom from texts like the Bhagavad Gita or the Dhammapada or the, the Bible or whatever, where any point in history, you know, the storytelling of indigenous uh, uh, groups, and I know recently you all have heard me talking about One Drum. A friend recommended that I check out this book by uh, Richard Wagamese uh, called One Drum, and it is so powerful. And when I read the book, I feel like this is the same wisdom as the Bible. I mean, duh. It runs through all of us. But if we, if we are, you know, on one side of things, we are just like too self-indulgent and our ego is just like, well, it doesn't matter unless I benefit or if I get money or we become corrupted by greed. It's a problem with the devil and a problem with the ego. And most politicians are, that's them. That's their main issue. And they're in charge, quote unquote. They're not really in charge. It's only relatively real, but they appear to be. And that really relatively real part can cause a lot of pain and suffering for people. It, I mean, that part is real. And then on the flip side of it, it's like we're not willing to look at it because of our pain or because of our, um, you know, the, the other side of it is these groups of folks nowadays who go, well, look at these things connected to these wisdoms wisdom texts caused all of this pain and suffering and so therefore it is bad and I don't want to look at the wisdom that's also problematic because we miss out on like I literally when I read these things I realize that somebody had an experience whether the experience because they were doing something wrong or they hurt people or they were confused or they were sinning meaning sinning they lost touch with their beating heart and their mission in life that's all it means it's not you know, let's set aside the religious baggage and go, when we go off track, isn't that what addiction is? Or, you know, trying to be better in our relationships. Sinning just means we went off track and we want to go back on track. And what is it going to take for us to go back on track? That's really what it means. But it's become this convoluted thing. Um, but if we're not willing to look at the people who had the wherewithal to go like, wow, I had this big challenge. And it's kind of like, 
you know when you have a problem and you you get advice from the wrong person you know like say you're having a, an issue with you just had a baby and you know your your wife is in postpartum and you're having a challenge communicating with each other and you, you know you're not seeing eye to eye and you're tired and you're stressed and you just don't know <laughs> what to do and you're arguing and you just feel like this is not going to work i can't be around this person i just want to run for the hills and then you go and seek say the father goes and seeks advice from one of his like bachelor friends who's never really been in a long-term relationship and just wants to like party and have a have fun and that's who they they go to a series of different folks with a similar scenario of single party dudes or party girls you know single women or whatever it might be and they, that's who they ask for advice about their situation that is so dumb <laughs> i'm sorry to say it but and i've done that that's not the person who's gonna know what you're going through you know talk to the person who has been through it before and came out the other side wiser and these wisdom scriptures that's why we call them wisdom script scriptures it's not because they're ineffable and written by perfect people. No, like what? Hello? It's because there are people who have gone through similar situations like yours that may have some wisdom to share that had the wherewithal to write it down. And sure, like a game of telephone, it's been distorted over time. But, you know, if you, if you really tune in with your inner intuition, you can sift through all of the sin and suffering and pain and corruption and violence and blah, 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 and see that they're like, you can see your essence, which is love inside there. And then by looking at the past through that kind of compassionate lens, maybe you can uh, move a little more skillfully through the same problems that have been repeating over and over and over. That's the nature of karma with uh, wisdom and humility and compassion. That's why they're there. All right, I think, I think we're clear on that. So just remember, I told you I'd land the plane, that back then, well, these early wisdom scriptures, especially for the Bible, there were no books. This wisdom was like chained in a synagogue or locked up in a wooden box called an ark, and only people couldn't really read unless you were trained to, and you couldn't read it at nighttime or in the morning in your morning sadhana. It was exclusive. Just think about how cool it is now that, like, I read my Bible on my iPhone. I chant Japji Sad from my iPhone. I can, you know, learn read the Vedas from my iPhone. That's pretty cool. I mean, but I can also like eat junk food. Like just, you know, scroll, 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 scroll. Or I could choose the wisdom that's just perfectly accessible. It's all at your fingertips, but it's about how you use it. The iPhone is completely a neutral thing. I mean, yes, people had, there are people who have negative intent behind this. Like, how can I distract you so that I can take your money or your attention or whatever it might be? But... If you're wise, you can navigate this and go, okay, I want to know about the wisdom traditions so that I can uh, be kinder and more compassionate or stronger or be a better whatever, you know what I'm saying? It's neutral and it's up to you. So 
the fact that Jesus had the awareness that he did as a 12-year-old boy, knowing that you didn't have this around you, he was born into a, a poorer family that didn't have access, and that he was walking around with this wisdom is like, and knowledge, and knowledge is impressive because he's tuned in. And we all have access to that, okay? And if you, if you are able to access that without, you know, if you're like, no, no, I'm really in tune with this wise part of myself. And for the most part, I am kind, humble, and compassionate to everyone. <laughs> Maybe you don't need, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But for me, I mean, I've had all kinds of problems. And being able to ask for advice from people who've had similar problems, whether they're living or lived thousands of years ago, has been beneficial. And so, you know, just to put that into perspective, he's got all of this knowledge, and he says that he's come to fulfill the law, which means that it's not to follow the law, it's not to police the law, it's to fulfill it. And when we hear the word fulfill, what we're talking about is to be the embodiment of it. So when you're studying these things, it's not to know more than your neighbor or uh, become a fundamentalist in like the way that you follow things without any room for symbolism as you study literature and look for the essence of what's being said, not to become dogmatic, but to look for the wisdom within it and then embody that wisdom. And Jesus said, you'll be able to do even greater things than I have to be in the embodiment not only as he was, but even greater than he was. But in order to do that, we may need some awareness of what that is in the first place. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Okay? But before I do that, let's take a little break. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning into the show. I want to invite you to become a part of something very special. It's called the Fireside Satsang. It's a community called Reveal for people who listen to Revealing the Diamond. I, you know, I've played with different ideas. Is it called the living room? Is it this or that? And I've just been reminded of like, you know, that feeling when you've been like around a campfire in your life and you've been having meaningful conversations like I would have campfires with my grandparents and we would sing songs or we just like talk about life with a friend on a camping trip without any distractions and you just watch the flames and be mesmerized hypnotized uh, in a meditative state just in just to be by a fi the fire with somebody you love isn't that powerful so I wanted to call it fireside and then satsang is the gathering of spiritual folks of people with you know, ideas about liberation and loving kindness and yoga and, you know, that kind of thing. So what if we call it a fireside satsang? I, I really like that. So that's where I'm at with it for now. And I know that we can't all be here in Mexico together or, or you know, we're all in, whether we're in Europe or we're in the United States or we're in Australia or we're in Mexico or we're in Canada or we're in South America or wherever you're listening from, you know, I know a lot of you are in different places. I wanted a place where we could come together that was unique and we could discuss what is talked about on this show um, kind of outside of the main big um, capitalist <laughs> corporate social media systems. And so I've created a space. It's called the Reveal Fireside Satsang or just Fireside Satsang. And you can access it by going to tiagaprem.com and you just go and look at the community tab and click the community tab and you just write your name, maybe a little blurb about yourself. And then that will 
keep you tuned in to the community. I think it's awesome. I mean, we, there's a small group of us now. I want to see it grow. I want to hear from you. I want you to, to feel like you're a part of this and be a part of the conversation. Some of you send me voice notes and text. Some of you write me on social media. Some of you email me. Some of you work one-on-one -on -one with me. Some of you, you know, uh, people are communicating with me in all these different ways. And I would love it if we could just streamline, get into this community and communicate with each other. I'm there. I'm, I'm going there on a daily basis, writing and sharing. And I want to invite you to do the same. So go to tiagoprem.com today. Go to the community tab and click it. You know, you can get an app for your phone for it. You can do it on your computer, whatever you want to do. And join the Fireside Satsang today. Okay, let's get back to the show. All right, so I was talking about, you know, being like Jesus and the embodiment of this wisdom. Okay, not, not rules and regulations, <laughs> whether it's the rules and regulations of the Jewish law keepers at the time who were like, rabbis can't do that, or whether it's the uh, law keepers of the, you know, woke folk. Now, because here's the thing about woke. Woke means that you've already arrived. That's ego trip. It's like, I'm, I'm, already, I'm already perfect, and now I can tell everybody how they're not. Awakening? I'm interested in awakening. Woke? That's kind of the same thing as these uh, gatekeepers. And I did another episode about haters and gatekeepers. You can go back and check it out. But it's like we're in this process of awakening and learning to be the embodiment of wisdom. And part of that is learning about people who went through similar struggles to uh, uh, as us or people who really did it in a beautiful way. And then we're going to do it in our own way. But we look at the essence of what how they showed up so that we can um, discern what that means for us in our unique uh, conditions, okay? So here's the cool thing about Jesus. This is amazing. We're coming up to Easter and the crucifixion, and I was saying to my partner the other day, I said, here's the interesting thing about, uh, and, and by the way, like she didn't grow up around this. Um, she doesn't in no way proclaims herself as a Christian or anything like that. She's definitely interested in uh, Maria Magdalena, and she is definitely in alignment with... Um, the character of Jesus, but as far as any kind of religiosity, that's like a big, like, whoa, uh, scary, I don't want anything to do with that. And that's common, I think, for folks, you know, and I get that because I had that in my life. So I just want to just put that into perspective here, just to um, lay the groundwork for where this conversation is happening between the two of us. And I said, you know, the interesting thing about the crucifixion is because we were watching a show the night before on the Mayan folk and they were talking about the human sacrifice and animal sacrifice. And I said, here's the interesting thing about the crucifixion is before that, on a global scale, there's a lot of human and animal sacrifice going on. Like we have to sacrifice the humans for the favor of the gods. We have to sacrifice the animals for the favor of the gods. And Jesus being in the crucifixion is the beginning of the end of all of that. Okay, check it out. It's pretty interesting. And, and part of it being the beginning of the end is that he went um, to die like a criminal, a violent death with no violent retaliation, no need to prove that he's innocent or how dare you or blame someone else or lie or manipulate. He just accepts that as a sacrifice that, okay, 
if that's what you need for me to participate in some kind of holding up of the mirror for the behavior of humanity, then I accept that. That is so powerful. And also, if you look at history, you see like that in time, it's taken a while and we're still dealing with it the way that we treat other beings and the way we treat each other. But that is the beginning of the end of human sacrifice and animal sacrifice. It's important. And, you know, people often say like, oh, what? but the Bible is just like a book about war and there's so much, so much bloodshed and... I mean, has anybody out there read the Ramayana? Have you looked at these books from other parts of the world? That's what was going on then. I mean, we're still behaving in this violence and um, lack of reverence for life. And, you know, it's an it's a ego trip. That's the devil. You know, it's like, I'm superior and you're inferior and I will make you bow to me and and then the, the, the beautiful thing about a spiritual tradition is that there's a bowing or a surrender without any violence, like bowing in reverence at the uh, Sri Guru Granth Sahib or bowing in reverence at the feet of the teacher. And, and sometimes in our bowing, we're taken advantage of or manipulated by people who have pain. And then we go, well, I will never bow and, uh, and gurus are stupid and bad and and religion is dumb, and, you know, F all of this, and you go, that's an immature response. You go, like, what about the humility of bowing where you go, I'm here, I'm open to receive the wisdom. I w I'm not here to be taken advantage of. But, you know, you look at Jesus, and you go, he didn't retaliate. He didn't fight back, and he didn't do anything wrong. And then you go, well, why was he put to death in the first place? Because that's what people do, right? They go like, well, if he was put to death, he must have done something. That's, <laughs> that's some of the narrative of today, right? It's like, what's the source? We have to fact check that. Oh, that's how, they, they must have done something bad, those protesters to be treated by the police like that, you know, or whatever, <laughs> whatever the trip might be. And, and you go like, okay, so what did he do that's bad? Well, let's get into that. Before I say anything more, I want to add to the comment on the violence where people go, oh, well, the, you know, it's a violent book. Okay. Oh, it's a violent book, and I just don't really want to read about that. And then, and then, and then. Interesting thing here in everything that's recorded about what Jesus, the rabbi, Yeshua, the Jewish rabbi, taught, radical teacher, um, there is no mention of him quoting from violent books in the Bible like Judges. He just doesn't talk about it. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't talk about it. Remember that these books were written by real people in real times. So what they're saying, it's not ineffable. It's not God's pen writing this down. It's people talking about what's going on around them. So if there's violence and it, it's like there was violence going on at the time. Does that mean that like, we should be violent towards other in the name of God because it's in the Bible. That's manipulation. That's a perversion. But that, that's what people do. People make mistakes. The Bible is full of people who made mistakes. Our, our world is full of people who made mistakes. Hopefully, we make a commitment in our life to learn to do better, be better by practicing in a way that we're 
gaining wisdom, understanding, compassion. You know what I mean? So he doesn't go there. And then what did he do wrong? You say, what did he do wrong? Here, here's what he did wrong. And there's policing of people doing wrongs like this nowadays, and we'll get there. Anytime that there was any kind of division between this group and that group, these people are good, these people are bad, these people are right, these people are wrong, these, all of that polarizing stuff, these people have the V, these people don't have the V, these people uh, are black, these people are white, these people are conservative, these, you know, any kind of divisiveness that's happening between group to group, any, per, any group that was shunned or marginalized, Jesus consciously goes towards them, leans into them, wants to love them, support them, and, and uplift them. Like women, Samaritans, lepers, etc. He consciously and intentionally, intentionally steps across lines of division. He just disregards them. Any kind of divisiveness, he's like, oh no, we're not doing that. We're going to embrace these people that you're putting down. Okay? Or passages that are written about the clean and unclean. I mean, I experienced that even today in India, where me and my friends are traveling around India, and we have a driver, because you have a driver in India, and we all, we're joking, and we're having fun, and he's saying, oh, you're doing all of this spiritual work. Pray for me when you go into the, uh, into the Gurdwara. Pray for me when you go into the temple. Pray for me, like, you know, that kind of thing. We're, we're really, like, having a brotherly experience, but he won't eat at the same table as us because of the caste system. And this runs deep, and it runs deep in many traditions. And, and so, as a rabbi, he's aware of all of these writings in, in the law that are saying, these people are clean, these people are unclean. And when he hears any kind of like, these people are clean and these people are unclean, he embraces the unclean. He touches them. He hugs them. This was a no-no. The untouchables, like we've heard about in the caste system in India, he embraces them. He literally hugs them, touches them, and people are like, but that's against the rules. You're not supposed to do that. This is what he did wrong. This is what leads to his violent death. Okay? Or people who are said to be judged harsh, harshly, like, you know, adulterers, tax collectors, thieves, murderers, whatever, you know, people who are to be judged harsh, harshly by the law. He elevates them above the religious people at the time. Whoa, what? You mean the people who are doing a really good job of following the law and the ones who are breaking the law, he, he elevates them? He lifts them up and says that they're doing a better job than the religious people? That's pretty mind-boggling, folks. That is love beyond logic. You heard me say it, right? That is love beyond logic. That's what we're talking about here. And, and so something is happening through this person that we're being called to notice because we do it. 
We're out there policing people on Instagram. We're out there policing people. These people are right. These people are wrong. And while we're doing it, we don't realize that there's a narrative that is also being manipulated by government officials who are like using Facebook to push a narrative and, you know, or people are distracted. You know, you're passionate about one cause. And then so you're so passionate about the cause that if, if people aren't supporting your cause, then you start shaming other causes. That's insecurity. It comes out of pain. You know, and something is happening where it's going like, we need to learn to sit with the challenge and the ickiness and the human sort of, ew, like, that makes me feel bad and say, can we love through this? It is not easy. I'm not sitting here on this podcast and going, like, why don't we just love everybody? It's so easy. Let's just do it. That's not what I'm referring to. I'm saying it is incredibly challenging. And here's a great example of somebody who, in the face of all of this, stood steady. Even with the retaliation, I was telling a friend the other day who uh, doesn't, hasn't studied the Bible, and I was saying, like, you know, when he knows that he's going to be sacrificed, killed for loving beyond logic, for choosing love beyond logic, and his friend goes, we're going to defend you. Peter goes, like, we're going to, that ain't right. We're going to do something about this, like real virtue signaling. <laughs> and w- what does Jesus say to him? He says, get behind me, Satan. That's the ego trip. That's not the love path. I know you love me, and you're trying to choose love for me in this particular situation, but that's not, if people want me to die a violent death for choosing love, so be it. Wow. He's bringing something new. And the yogis, they were bringing something new. The Buddha bringing something new. Anandamayama bringing something new. The wisdom of indigenous folks bringing something new. And connected to all of these are challenges. But this something new coming through Jesus is the question of can the human and the divine exist at the same time. It's not the gods are up there and over there and we need to sacrifice these people and these animals. What if it's in you? What if that's who you are? What if the coming together of heaven and earth is in you to be experienced in you? And that experience has been defined as yoga. Right? Spirit, Purusha, and Prakriti, the tattvas, the earth, the earth, the water, the fire, the breath, and now they're talking about information being an element because it's measurable, it has mass. The merging of the two. Well, how does that operate? I'm looking for the wisdom of the one in everything. I'm looking for it in the earth, in the soil. I'm looking for it in the water. I'm looking for it in the animals, like my little buddy Charlie here taking his snooze. I'm looking for the wisdom and the ones who've gone before me. I am seeking God in all. And that part of me that ever goes like, oh, it's not, God's not in that. That's being presented for me to expand, to widen my awareness, to love everybody. But what about, no. no. And if you look at the life of Jesus, you go, there was no what about. Even in the face of death, whoa, Whoa, that is 
I don't even know how to describe that in words. And then remember that he said, you'll do even greater things than this. You'll love even further. You'll love even fuller. But from my experience, if we're not willing to look at the examples of the great sages, if we're not willing to show up and practice this, if we're not willing to make mistakes, if we're not willing to forgive, if we're not willing to sit with things that make us uncomfortable, we ignore the past. We ignore the wisdom of the past. And we allow the pain of the past that keeps being perpetuated and repeated, that's karma, y'all, we allow that cycle to go on void of wisdom. Yoga is calling us to experience that wisdom through the body, to experience that wisdom through the teachings of the sages, to experience that through the life of Jesus. Was Jesus a yogi? There's no question about it. He's the greatest example so far that I've come across. Amongst many other great examples, Guru Nanak, oh, wow, you know, social movement. How are we going to deal with the caste system? Oh, everybody's going to have to sit in a line and eat vegetarian food. So no matter what your dietary restrictions are, you all have to sit together. Yeah, but I'm a, a priestly caste, so I can't sit next to the... Sorry, if you want to have an audience with this great sage, you got to sit together. That's wise. And you could see how you could... You know, oh, well, I'm not going to do it because, or I'm not worthy of... It's all ego. 1,000 symptoms, one disease. And so the life of Jesus can help to wake us up. The life of Guru Nanak can help to wake us up. The wisdom of the Vedas, the wisdom of the scriptures, the wisdom of the Bible. But if we don't want to look, because we have preconceived ideas as this is good, this is bad, I like this, I don't like that. I want to leave you with these words. If you can't see God in all, you can't see God at all. That's the nature of being everywhere at once. Are we done, Charlie? Are we complete? I think Charlie's saying we're complete. Thanks for listening. This is Revealing the Diamond. I'm your host, Tiaga Prem. Remember, go to tiagaprem.com, get that new waking up course, become a member of the Fireside Satsang, and hope to see you all in Mexico someday soon. May the love of God, that is love, the supreme loving condition that is in you, as you, that is everywhere at once, may you be aware of that. May you awaken to that. And may you keep awakening. Not woke, not ignorant, but in a constant state of unfolding, blossoming, awakening to who you are. And that is love. Bless you. Thank you.